Hey, you. I'm Kim. And I'm Tara. Welcome to Unapologetically You. Can you imagine meeting your soulmate in high school, getting engaged, and planning your dream wedding, only to find out that a medical diagnosis would forever alter the way you two saw your life together? That's exactly what happened with today's guest, Leilani. Her husband, Michael, was diagnosed with MS during their engagement. And y'all, this woman does it all. She raised three kids, worked full-time, and happily became her husband's full-time caregiver. You guys are just going to want to squeeze this woman. Leilani radiates love, gratitude, and positivity. And we should all aspire to be more like her because she's freaking amazing. And don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast so that we can continue to inspire you. Stay tuned to be inspired by Leilani. Welcome, Leilani. Thank you so much for coming on to share your story with us. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So we came across your profile on a few different social media platforms, and it's evident the amount of love that exists exists between you and your husband, Michael. We find it so admirable that you are using your social media platforms to share your honest account of what it's like to live with MS. So for our listeners at home, why don't you give us just some background information on MS? Okay, well, MS is a short form for multiple sclerosis. And basically what MS is, is when the immune system attacks the myelin, which is the protective sheath that covers your nerve fibers. And then that causes communication problems between the brain and the body. So for everyone, MS is different. Some people can live with MS, just maybe using a cane or with very minimal like issues. And for some, it can be very, very, you know, debilitating and can affect, you know, your physical abilities to day-to-day life. And um, it's just different for everybody. That's the thing with MS and hoping they find a cure. Hopefully. And so your husband was diagnosed with MS, correct? He was diagnosed in 1998, just, just a few months after we got engaged. Okay. And how did, I guess, like, how did his diagnosis then progress? Because like you just said, for everybody, it's a little bit different, right? Yes. So, so what was his, what were those first couple of years like for you guys? Well, you know, first, when he was first diagnosed in 1998, this was just after we got engaged, he already was showing signs of like his balance was off. And then he became blind in one eye temporarily. You know, when he got that checked out, it was optic neuritis. And for, for a lot of people, optic neuritis is a red flag for something neurological that was happening. And he, sure enough, um, his doctor said, listen, we, not, we need to get you to your neurologist and, and get it checked out. So they did test, they did suspect it was MS, we had no idea. And uh, they did some testing, sure enough, we, we got the news that it was indeed MS. And for us, that was really, really scary because we didn't know anything much about this autoimmune disease. So over, to answer your question, over the next few years, um, it was uh, very slow, progressive. Like he ended up, you know, started off in a, uh, just using a cane and then from a cane to a stro- like a, a walker stroller. And then from there, like the occasional wheelchair was a long day. And then now to like, fully dependent on a wheelchair. And that was over the last 22 years. But like from your social media platforms, like I think it's it's so great because clearly he's still enjoying a lot of parts of life with you, right? Yeah. Like the two of you, I mean, my goodness, you can just <laughs> see the love in the two of you in the different videos that you're posting. So it's as much as it's debilitating, correct? Yeah. There's still those like glimmers of hope and those glimmers of real life existing for you guys, right? Absolutely. So 
here's the thing, you know, when, when I keep going back to that day when he was diagnosed, it wasn't always like that at first, you know, when you're first diagnosed with anything pretty scary, it is so scary. Here we were, a young couple, just about to get married and venture off into a new life. And then you're you're handed over this disease that like, oh my gosh, the world stopped. I felt like the ground was going to open up and swallow us. And after a month of, you know, crying about it, we even kept it to ourselves and just immediate family at first. We had to make a decision. I talked to my husband. Well, in fact, he was so, of course, devastated that he wanted to give me the option to leave or break up the engagement. And I thought, how could you even say such a thing? If the tables were turned, would you have just left me? He goes, no, of course not, but that's different. You know, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. And I'm sure this is not a life that you would have wanted. And I said, I, I cried and I bawled. I, I, I couldn't believe he would think such, such a thing. But, you know, of course, there were, you know, he's my high school sweetheart. And, and I knew that as scary as it was, I knew that we were going to be okay. I don't know if it was just faith kicking in that everything was going to be okay. And I immediately, you know, after a month of just kind of like letting the initial shock step in, I asked Michael, I said, okay, this is really serious. And we can either make a decision to, live in sorrow or, you know, or make a choice to live with hope, you know, and faith rather than to live life hopeless and defeated, you know. So that was a choice we decided to make that we can just keep going and, and live each day the best that we could. And I looked at him. So what is it? Are we going to swim or are we going to just drown in this? And he said, of course, we're, we're going to move forward and just, you know, rely on our faith, rely on God to help us each day. And so that's what we've done. And now I look back and I think, wow, you know, 20 years has gone by. Yes, there's been a lot of challenges. Yes, there's been a lot of tears. But can I tell you, we've lived a really good, blessed life when you tackle life on with faith, especially during the hard times, especially during the scary times. And that's what we do. So we try to uplift what we have our, our three kids uh, live life with just such you know try to live it as best as you can I, I mean obviously for us it's a little bit we can't do a lot of things that most couples do like go on a random hiking trip or a camping trip but uh, let me tell you we've raised a family with love and compassion with kids and um i think there someone told me once and i cried because i thought did we leave our kids like did we miss did our children miss out you know, from having a, a, a normal life. And so, you know what somebody said to me? Said, what are you talking about? How could you even say that? There are a lot of families who don't even have the, the kind of mountains that you deal with. Your kids have come up, you know, better people because of it. What an incredible outlook to have. To be so positive at the start of this all, absolutely, you were absolutely right. Getting that diagnosis at first, of course, there's nothing but fear that you're struck with, right? You know, your your life that you thought was gonna go one direction totally just got flipped upside down on you. But it, it's so remarkable to look at life the way that the two of you did and dive into this relationship together. And if anything, like, it made you guys love each other harder, right? I, it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible what you guys did. And it's incredible what you're doing right now because I don't, I think for most of us, you hear about MS, right? Yeah. You might see a couple of people um, in, in the celebrity world, really, that might have it. But on the day to day, there there isn't that much communication or that much 
I mean, normalcy around it, right? That's right. That's right. And so, so teaching people what it's like, I think, I think having the perspective that you two have for somebody that's stepping into this diagnosis um, for the first time, seeing you guys, I think gives them so much hope. Yeah. I, it, it's funny that you say that because initially when I wanted to share, you know, our journey, I was kind of reluctant a little bit. I'm kind of shy overall, but you know what? It was so important to me with three growing teenagers. Their dad is just so inspirational to me that I wanted to document our day-to-day, -day, um, whether it was a tough day or whether it was a good day. But I wanted to document it all and um, eventually write a book on it just for my kids and something for our generations of, of our family to have. And so I thought, that, you know what, I don't have time to write a book right now. If I can just document it all on Instagram, on social media, that way my kids have something to look back and kind of give them hope. And the next thing you know, people were really drawn to it. You know, you realize that by sharing your story, there are people out there that can totally relate, even if it's not MS, even if it's something a struggle that they're going through. I mean, there is power in sharing your story, for sure, to let others, there's comfort knowing that you're not alone. Absolutely. And we found like just talking with most of our guests, whenever we talk about people that do share their story, you know, especially through social media platforms, they all say the same thing. They're like, you have no idea how many people out there relate to what you're going through. Even if like you were saying, it's not exactly the same. Everybody's going through something. And when you hear someone else's story, and hear like the hardships they're going through, it just makes you feel like you're not alone. Right, I know, isn't that, I mean, I I teared up the other day because I just thought to Michael, um, I got a message from somebody and it was, it was so heartwarming that I was actually pretty emotional because this message that I received from someone from halfway around the world was like, thank you, you know your purpose in life is to inspire others by sharing your story, thank you. And I thought, wow, you see, like, for a long time, I thought I don't really have much of a purpose in in life, and I thought this has given me purpose, you know, um, to share a story. <laughs> that was beautifully said. I wish that back in the day when I was so afraid, and you know, and he was so afraid, we, we I felt like we were so lonely. We I just felt we just not lonely. We just felt so alone. And had a, you know, had there been maybe an outlet where I had kind of read that, you know, there's people just like me out there, it would have taken the, a, a, the, the sting away a little bit. Oh, yes. Would you maybe give us a little glimpse in what like a typical day is like for you and Michael? Yeah, absolutely. Our day is, well, pre-COVID, because we know sure. COVID <laughs> has totally turned everybody's lives upside down. Pre-COVID, yes, it was very, very busy. So in the morning when the kids go off to school, I'd come back and um, the nurses, personal support workers, uh, and it requires two of them, the three of us would help Michael get up, get dressed, do his personal care, like brush his teeth, get him changed, and do physio with him. And then when they leave, so that's about an hour, an hour and a half. And then after they leave, then it's time for me to make him um, his breakfast. And I'm trying to tackle on his meals as healthy as possible because uh, it's really important that if we want healing, then for us, paleo eating for him has worked. So I prepare that. And then next thing you know, believe it or not, 
after a few hours, it's uh, lunchtime again, and the whole process begins. The PSWs show up again, do the hour with me and physio and change them and whatnot. And then when they leave, I feed them lunch, and then it's time to pick up the kids from school, come home. I throw off everything, and I get ready for work in the evening, and then my son takes over. Uh, my son, Noah, who is um, 18 years old right now, but he's been helping me caregive for his dad since, you know, since he was a young teenager. Ah. Yeah, yeah, he takes over and he helps uh, with the evening shift with uh, personal support workers who come, come back again in the evening and help. So Michael is pretty much dependent on us to help feed him and, you know, turn his positions over in, in bed if necessary. And, um, you know, the kids are all of them. My two, we, I have three. So Michaela, who's 20, Noah, who's 18, and Tatiana, who is um, 16. They all, their levels of caregiving is different. Noah is, is the secondary caregiver because obviously, you know, he's able to do personal care you know without with whereas with my girls they might care give but it's different it's maybe feeding him dinner it's maybe just right. sitting sitting with him uh, letting the workers in but the one thing i can do depend on is the three kids they are so good with their dad very protective over me and their dad and they help each other even as siblings because michael's not allowed to be alone obviously uh, it's not like we can all go out and leave them unattended at home. So when I'm at work in the evenings, the girls and my son, they, if one of them has to be out or whatever, they always make sure amongst each other, kind of work it out who's going to be home with their dad. And so, sure. yeah, so they're teenagers, typical teenagers, but let me tell you, they are so good with uh, making sure that their dad is taken care of. It sounds like it. <laughs> it is It is a very busy in and out, in and out, go, 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 go kind of household. And, but you know. And what do you do for a living? I work at the airport. I work for an airline, Canada's major airline. Yeah, I've been there for 22 years. I started off as a flight attendant. And then when uh, he was diagnosed, I knew that the last thing I wanted to do was just to go fly in and out of the country when I knew right. that. Yeah, so I, I transferred to the airport. It's It's been a, yeah, it's a good thing I'm part-time, so I'm able to care for him during the day. Absolutely. Yeah, and then go to work in the evening for a few hours. So when your kids were younger, yeah. I, I can imagine the challenges that this posed because not only are you taking care of three young kids yeah you're also taking care of your husband and working uh, and working yeah. i mean you you are a jack of all yeah, trades you do it all <laughs> i have no idea how we did it i look back it was crazy i mean it's funny because i work for an airline so you know it's it's a blessing that we're able to take advantage of our airline passes but i remember traveling through the airport and my colleague when she, when i had returned back from vacation she said Late morning. My God, I saw you at the airport. You were pushing your husband in a wheelchair. He was holding one of the babies on your lap. You were pushing a double stroller, and one was catching one. One was holding onto your pants, and you were walking through the airport with your heels on. <laughs> <laughs> you are one incredible woman, that's for sure. Yeah. No, God, God is good. God is good, ladies. Let me tell you. I look back. I don't know how we did it, but you, you just do. You just keep pushing through and you just yeah and you just get through it and now here you are 
um, with these incredible children, obviously. Like, to have these kids that can, like, I know what a typical teenager is like. Tara herself has um, a couple of teenagers. Oh. <laughs> and so um, the reality is they see the big picture, right? They see what they're doing and they're contributing to their dad's overall health. And that's, that's just amazing. Do all three of your children still live at home or is one off at school or how does that work? Yes. So all three are still at home. My, my oldest, she is off to, yeah, she's in university right now. Thank goodness the, the campus is close by. So she's still at home. My son is going off to university as well, but because of COVID he's taking a, a lap year, he's going to wait because he, he really wants to do the, you know, whole university campus experience, which I don't blame him. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. So they're all at home and thankfully we're able to like still, you know, make it work through COVID because now everything is amplified. You know, I had to stop the personal support workers from coming because they were visiting nursing homes, you know, and we all know what was happening at nursing homes during this really hard time. And so now it's just me and my son doing all the care, but we're making it work. So, you know, and, and having fun with TikTok on our downtime. <laughs> yeah. Who isn't, right? Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. You just have such a positive outlook to you. It's absolutely incredible. Aw, thank you. I, you know what, don't get me wrong. There, of course, it is the most difficult. We have our times that are so, so hard. And there are times where I thought, I don't know how we're gonna get through this. But I always tell people, it, you have to choose to be positive. You have to choose every day, especially during the hard times, you have to just make that choice to keep moving forward. So, you know, it's not like I was born this way. Nobody's born to be happy. But you, you know, that's something you just have to choose. And, and the, my faith is, is, is primarily responsible for that. Just got to hang on to faith. So you had said earlier that um, you've been noticing that Michael's paleo diet is helping, helping in some regard. Yes, yeah. Is there other things that you have found that have helped him through this journey? Or is this something where it's really trial by error, I guess? You know what, I, I think over the years, so, you know, medication, I'm not telling nobody to stay off medication, not at all, because I think, you know, your doctor's still your doctor, you need to follow those protocols. However, his doctor at the beginning, 20 years ago, they gave him a few kind of medications to try and they just weren't working with him. You know, it actually made him worse. So he had stopped. His current neurologist right now is saying that there's unfortunately nothing anymore that they can do. So aside from MS in, in 2007, was it 2017? He, he had a pulmonary embolism. That's a whole different podcast altogether. He almost died there, but there were angels on our side. He almost died from there, but thankfully he survived. 2019, he was then also diagnosed with another autoimmune disease that's completely unrelated to MS, which is called PSC, primary sclerosis cholangitis. It's a rare liver autoimmune disease. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so he's had definite health challenges. Uh, to answer your question, that autoimmune disease, the, rare, uh, the liver one, um, they said that there's no treatment available, no medications, no treatment. And I just thought, no, I'm not going to sit here and just let him continue to decline. Not without a fight. Right. Not without a fight. So I dove into the internet. I dove into some books and I'd seen some uh, research that has helped other people with MS um, who had really great success with, you know, a paleo principle diet. 
So that's what I did. That was in November of 2019. We started that. And then, you know, within days, I saw that he was being more alert. The fogginess was gone. He was like within days of starting paleo, he was doing wow. really well. Yeah. And then, you know, six months later, he is, is able to pick up like his fine motor skills were not good at all. Like he hasn't been able to hold a pen in years. Wow. So okay. all of a sudden, I started, you know, helping him. I started him uh, finger motor skills, you know, exercises. Sure. And then next thing you know, he could hold a pen. He could pick up a small object like a pistachio. He could wow. do it. Yeah. He wasn't able to do that in years. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Most doctors might say, oh, no, it has nothing to do with diet. But I believe that it is everything to do with diet. And like I said, you know what? I don't care what the naysayers say. I would rather live our entire life trying and hoping and living with faith than to to live life hopeless and defeated. I say that all the time because it's so true. How, you know, you, you need to just keep pushing forward, to keep choosing to, to keep trying, you know? Absolutely. And for a lot of our listeners that, that don't know much about autoimmune diseases, um, I too, Leilani, have an autoimmune disease. Oh. My family in general, all, all of us have different autoimmune diseases. Yeah. And so often when you get diagnosed with one, it is easier for you to get diagnosed with a second one down the line. Yeah. So people that do have MS, it, it is a possibility that eventually they can get a second autoimmune disease or a third autoimmune yeah. disease. From the doctor standpoint, too, they don't know much about autoimmune diseases. This is all trial by error, really. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that you went out and like even tried to change up his diet to see if that like that's awesome. Again, I just like you said, absolutely. You listen to your doctors all the time. Listen to them, whatever they tell you to do. You yeah, do it. yeah, absolutely. They're not always looking at or they don't always get the chance, I should say, to look at the full picture of what each individual patient is doing on the day to day. Yeah. So some of it's kind of like owning it yourself. And like, it, this is amazing that you went out and you found a way to at least help increase his chances at having a little bit more of a life. Right, right? exactly. I mean, I'm going to try. I'm not just going to sit here and in here that you know I, I the worst thing you can do is google something up and i did it i did it yeah i did it um and i'm like oh hell no oh hell to the no i said you know i am not gonna just sit here and no so i yeah you just have to be proactive and and just do what you think is best of course he has an amazing doctor right now like that we just love to death. He also, like when I tell him what he's eating, we're also making sure that he's regularly taking blood tests to make sure nothing is off. So um, he's got an amazing doctor. It's so important to find a good doctor you love. And thankfully, his, his family doctor is, is great. That's fantastic. What advice would you give to someone that receives this diagnosis as a spouse and as the person themselves receiving this diagnosis? I would just say, first of all, like, it's so easy. I think we talked about this a little bit earlier. It's so easy to get so scared. And, and it's okay to be perfectly scared. And at the end of the day, after it kind of sinks in, you have to make a choice. Are you just going to continue now with this news to just kind of live there in fear and in sorrow kind of thing? Um, are you going to live the rest of your life like that? Or are you going to just choose to 
keep pressing forward, keep moving on. And how you do that is to educate yourself as much as you can about whatever it is that you were diagnosed with. And then um, surround yourself with support. For me, that was family and friends, even getting, you know, professionals, even to get therapy group sessions in there, you know, in your local community. Um, Absolutely. That's, that's just as important as well. And then to just, for me, my faith, uh, for my, my husband too, you know, our faith is so important. I think there isn't like the perfect recipe on how to handle these things. I am 22 years and with new things that keep coming up, we're still trying to figure things out. Right. Yeah. So it's one day, one breath, one step at a time. I love that. <laughs> what have you learned about yourself? That I'm stronger. If you, you know, my faith has brought me strength. So if, if I were to tell my younger self that you're a lot tougher than you think, you're a lot stronger than you think, and not, not, not by choice, but by God's grace and by God's strength, he gives you that if you just allow it and not fear so much of it, you know? Yeah. I've learned that, that it's okay if you don't have it all together. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Right? It's totally okay not to be okay. That was a big thing for me. I always felt like I had to be in charge. And if I wasn't and things weren't going my way that I felt like I was falling apart. But no, you, you just can't. You, you need to be okay with not being okay. What has been the hardest part about your journey? I think the hardest part of our journey is I surrounded by so much love from my kids and my husband. It was the loneliest time of my life, mm -hmm. this journey, this caregiving journey, because my husband is the recipient of the caring, right? My children, yeah. I'm a mother to them, but I just felt so lost my identity. I was a caregiver. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. But there was the Leilani in me that wasn't strong, that would fall apart. At the, while washing dishes that didn't have it all together. And that part for me, I felt like uh, I struggled. I, I, it was lonely. So you can be, you don't have to be alone to feel lonely. Yeah. But, you know, because I, I put this mask on my face because I want to be strong for my husband. I love him to death. The last thing I want him to do is worry about me on top of everything. Right. But mm -hmm. thankfully, he's my best friend. He, he can see right past that face and he reaches out to me all the time as I'm passing by or whatever. And he says, Hey, are you okay? Oh. Come lie with me. You know, he'll know <laughs> he knows. And, um, yeah. because here I was, everybody else in the world is living their life. Families can go out and have picnics and go on camping trips and, you know, go on these amazing adventures. And here was our life, you know, he's in, I, I would cry not just for me, but for him too, because he's in a room. He's in a room yeah. and he watches everybody's lives go in and out the door every day. And here I was basically, you know, at home. And it was hard. Caregiving is hard mentally, physically, even spiritually. So I think, you know, to answer your question, that part was hard. And so it is still a learning pro pro process when I find myself that it's getting hard then I just, that's when I step into faith again and say, no, uh, you can do this. You've gone through tougher times, girl. You're going to do this. And 
I start praying and focus on Jesus and um, just keep going. Girlfriend, yeah. I can tell you, both Tara and I are sitting here like, all we want to do is give you a yeah. hug. You are so great. <laughs> so what do you hope the takeaway is of your story for our listeners? Well, my hope is that, you know, for everybody out there, you're not alone in your journey. Whatever heartache or, you know, struggles you have, that you are not alone. And I hope that they can take some comfort knowing that it can be hard and it's okay not to be okay. And that I hope that my story can help others know that um, there is hope. You can always have hope if you just choose to live life in hope. Absolutely. Well, Leilani, we are so inspired by you as a human, as a uh, wife, as a mom, as a caregiver. I mean, girlfriend, you got it going on. Uh, you <laughs> yeah. know what? This has been great. I love to, I, it's, it's very therapeutic for me too. Thank you. You guys are just dolls. I love your energy. Love your energy. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> But before we go, we have just a few fun little pop questions for you. Yeah. So the first question is, are you a morning person or a night owl? A night owl. All right. If you could meet anyone living or dead, who would it be? Jesus. Absolutely. Oh, we haven't had anyone say that yet. What is your most used emoji? The the, the face with the three hearts all over their face. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. A good one. What's your stance on pineapple on pizza? I love it. I love pineapple on pizza. <laughs> <laughs> we do not. <laughs> We're not there yet. We're not there yet. <laughs> um, and the last question is, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? To be able to travel through time. That would be oh, really cool. Be so yeah. Great. But when I say travel through time, that I can pick exactly what date I'd like to go and come back what date, not travel in time and have no idea. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's got like, it's, it's got like uh, asterisks there here. Right. Only yeah, if I'm able definitely. to. <laughs> it's a very specific superpower. Correct. Yeah, yeah. We cannot thank you enough for sharing your inspiring story with us. You use your platform to spread love and awareness, and it's so admirable. Thank you so much for being unapologetically you. Oh, thank you, ladies. Thank you, Tara. I, I really appreciate being invited. It's been my pleasure. We're so happy you joined us and we hope this story inspired you to be unapologetically you. Join us next time for another remarkable journey. And if you or someone you know has a story to share, please reach out to us on our website at unapologeticallyyoupodcast.com. Don't forget to like us on Instagram and Facebook at unapologeticallyyoupodcast. And please rate and subscribe on whatever platform you listen in on so that we can continue to inspire you.